Take your Bibles, if you would. Find the Old Testament book of Judges. You've got your Bibles. You've got a smartphone. There are several Bibles sometimes there in the uh, chairs uh, uh, in front of you that you may have. But we'd love for you to be able to look at these verses. Some are going to be on the screen as well. Uh, last week, we had a great time together, July 4th. Good to see many of you back. A lot of you, some were traveling. But we filled up. We had just one service last week. And it proves why we have two services. Because we were uh, had folks sitting on the front row and had uh, chairs in, all kinds of stuff. So we're glad to have one service and to remind us we are one in Christ and what brings us together even though we know we have two different services different styles in worship and those kind of things but what makes us unified is our mission for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we are need to be reminded of that from time to time we are one church under the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ last week very familiar passage with a God and country service we talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, which came about because of the questions of what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, uh, and mind, and, uh, uh, and love thy neighbor as thyself. We realize that this is the answer for America, that we need to love God, love others. And so we have put you this month, Parkway members and whoever else is with us, be great. But we've put you on uh, neighbor patrol, not necessarily neighborhood watch. But we want what we want you to do now, knowing that our neighbors, anyone who is in need, we want you to be sure this month. We hope it spills over into the other 11 months. But we want you to be looking out for those people who are in need and be sure to be able to help somebody, whether it is listening to them, somehow helping them in some way. And I'd love to hear from you. We've got some back this week, but uh, you can email me or you go to our website site, look for Gospel Conversations, and we sure want you to be able to tell them that you're doing that because you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a familiar passage. This week we're starting this new series in some less than familiar passages as we look at, and the official title, I guess, is uh, Stepping Up When Everybody Else Is Stepping Down, Messages from the Book of Judges with a Focus on Jesus. That's a long title, so if you just remember Stepping Up, it'll be okay, and we're going to look at some of the judges uh, that that we have from uh, the book of Judges in this passage. And so we have today, uh, we're going to be looking at Judges chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and then Judges chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. And, uh, but you want to keep your Bibles open. Some will be on the screen, some will not. Be looking at some of the other passages. A little bit in introduction form as well as uh, perhaps uh, getting ready for what the Lord has to share with us today to help us to be able to step out and uh, stand up for Jesus. Judges chapter 2 and verse 1. This now is the word of God. It says, Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bacham. And he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides and their God shall be a snare to you. And as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. They called the name of that place Bacham and they sacrificed there to the Lord. Now we're in chapter three, going to read verses seven through 11. It says, the, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. Before the anger, therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rashathiam, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served, I'm going to call that king C.R. from now on, if it is okay with you. 
And the people of Israel served C.R. eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to the Lord and the Lord gave C.R., king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over C.R., so the land had rest 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Now let me ask you as we kind of move into this book, one of the people you probably know, how many of you have heard of Samson, of course? Would you raise your hand just to make sure everybody, you've, most of you heard of Sam, Samson and Delilah had the longer hair that was supposedly was the secret to his strength and success, but really it wasn't. And we know that he was a mighty man and warrior, mighty man physically, but morally he was... Uh, not necessarily. Still, by God's grace, God used him as well. So you know of Samson. How many of you, if I asked you before you came in today who Othniel was, could have told me before you came in? And oh, well, Not quite the same as that. Which I find kind of interesting because when we talk about Samson, his story, though, is much more dramatic. But Samson, when it comes to the judges, and we're doing kind of character studies of these judges, and we will come to Samson. He's the last of the judges in the book of Judges. He's kind of probably one of the worst we got. I mean, uh, and so, but we have Othniel, and Othniel, he was one of the best, if not the best. In fact, he's the very first judge. If you got your notes there, you might list him there. He was considered the ideal judge. One of the only male judges presented in this way. And, and that includes Gideon, who was flawed mainly because of his fear. Deborah. Uh, certainly seeing a better light. She's kind of the warrior princess, Laura Croft and Wonder Woman, maybe all rolled into one as one of the female judges in the Old Testament. We're going to learn more about her and learn about maybe some others that you that you may not know of quite as uh, obvious. And we're going to get to all these and others so that you may know more in the coming weeks. This will be kind of this character study. We'll not look at every judge or even chapter and every verse. But today we're going to look at these first two and a half chapters and look at the first judge and find out what lessons we can learn about stepping out and standing out for Jesus, even if we're the only ones. Now, judges are traditionally known for adjudicating. You know, you know I knew that word. Legal disputes and determine guilt or innocent in criminal cases. But it becomes clear that that's not the, ju the job of the judges who are in the Old Testament. They're often referred to as deliverers or saviors. Now that is lowercase d and lowercase s as a deliverer or a savior, certainly not the savior, but as we're going to see, they certainly point to the savior who is to come. And we'll see how these men and women put their focus on Jesus. Now with the exception of Othniel that we're going to talk about today and maybe Deborah, most of the judges that we're going to talk about, they were pretty flawed individuals. The Bible's going to tell us where they fall short because if, you, if we're not careful, sometimes you read something that a judge did in the Old Testament and you say, well, now, if he did it, then it must be okay. But what we're going to be careful about as we look and consider all of God's Word that is true, and sometimes it is descriptive of what is true, we're going to be sure that we understand that which we can prescribe to our own lives and that which is something that we can learn what not to do. Now, sometimes I find myself, maybe in a series such as this, wanting to defend the Bible. I want to be able to tell you why it's important, and certainly it is important. There are times for that, but I want to tell you why you should, 
want to listen and attend and be sure to pay attention to everything that is being said. But I feel a little bit differently today, I guess. Certainly there are times to do that, but today, and as we go forward, I'm going to kind of have the attitude that it's going to be kind of like uh, letting the cage, letting the line out of the cage. We're going to let the Bible loose and let it say for what it says and be able to make the application for that. Maybe stand out of the way as much as possible and to be sure to understand all that God's Word has to say. Now, in order to help us to understand where this story that we're looking at today and all the book of Judges and where it fits, you might notice Judges chapter 1 and verse 1, it begins with saying that, uh, the, it begins by saying, after the death of Joshua... These few words kind of give us a clue as to where this book fits in history. You know the Israelites, they'd been in bondage for 400 years. And after 400 years, God led Moses to deliver them out of bondage. After the 10 plagues, they cross over the Red Sea. They make their way to the promised land, but they're not ready. That generation, they're, they've been unfaithful. They're not trusting in God and being disobedient and murmuring. And so they find themselves unable to go. All except we know that there were two. There was Joshua and Caleb who were ready and being obedient to God. But all the other of that generation died after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And then Joshua succeeds Moses after his death. And then they come into the promised land and their job is to come in and to judge and to rid all the people and run all the people out who are in the promised land. And they're in the process of doing just that very thing with some success. And then Joshua dies. Now the Lord didn't appoint a successor like for Moses, Joshua was the successor. and There was no king at the time, and there was not to be a king according to God's will. In fact, the nation of Israel was to be a theocracy. Theo meaning God. God was to be in charge. But God did use these judges to help deliver and save Israel over and over again. In the time between Joshua's death and the first king, King Saul, is a period of about 300 years is known as the period of the judges. But I'm going to have to warn you. Times were not all that good or all that bright. In fact, they were kind of chaotic, dark times without a strong leader like Moses or Joshua to follow. The very last verse in Judges, Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, you don't have to go to it. I think we've got it on the screen. But it says this, In those days there was no king of Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's not the only time. In fact, that verse or those phrases are repeated several times in the book of Judges. Can you think of another time in history or another culture where this is also true? Today, most people or many people feel that truth is relative. I mean, what's right for you and what's true for you may not necessarily be true for me, some people say. Most people are setting their own standards of morality and of what's right and wrong, mostly based on how they feel or their own experience. Would you say that this is true in our own culture and our own nation? Well, now before we take this too far, we're not to make the parallel between the nation of Israel and the United States. We, if we're to make a parallel to the nation of Israel, who are God's people, it is a parallel and it's an application for the church, for God's New Testament church, for you and me who make up the body of Christ. One of the applications that we're going to make is to not let the world or let culture influence the church. In fact, it's supposed to be the other way around. We're supposed to influence the world. So, so let us make the application. Are we, God's people, 
supposed to do what's right in our own eyes. No, we are not. We are, want to do what is right in God's eyes that is revealed in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, prompted by the Holy Spirit and is spelled out in the Word of God in our Holy Bible. In the time known as the period of the judges, the Israelites found themselves in a vicious cycle that they could not seem to stop. Over and over again, as we read the book of Judges, we'll see this cycle time and time again. And I want to point out the cycle, if I can, for you that I believe will help us today. In fact, if you've got your notes there before you, or you could draw a circle and write this down, even if you didn't, or you could just pay attention. But around, I guess, at 3 o'clock on that cycle, the Israelites, we might would say, would be unfaithful. They would be unfaithful. In fact, in chapter 3 and verse 7, they did what was evil and they followed after other gods. We read that just a moment ago. Next, they would find themselves, because of their unfaithfulness, they would find that not following God proved unfruitful. And they became slaves to that CR king we mentioned ago the first time from Mesopotamia. And God allowed, or often, more often orchestrated, the Israelites to become subjects of oppression or slaves of people who are living in the land or living maybe nearby the promised land. And they found out worshiping other gods didn't work out. Life was not as grand as they had hoped it would be by not following God. They realized they were far away from God. Their unfaithfulness led them further outside of God's will. So what did they do? It's found in verse 9, chapter 3 and verse 9. What do we find the people do? Well, the people, they cried out to the Lord. Did God hear their cry? Yes, He did. The Bible tells us time and time again that He waits. He's looking for those who are seeking Him. So God delivered, or He raised a deliverer. And the first deliverer, the first judge... Bible says with Othniel. He, in fact, the Bible says Othniel judged Israel, which he means he became their leader, sure, giving wise counsel, went to war against their enemy, and they had victory. And they had rest, the Bible says. Verse 11, a moment ago, how long did they have rest? They had rest for 40 years. Seems like a long time. And then guess what? They were unfaithful again. Unfaithful led to being unfruitful and uh, then they cried out to God, and then God raised another deliverer. And then it happened again and again. So as a nation, they weren't really making any progress. They were not fulfilling the mission for which God had for them, which was to be a light to the nations, a light to the world, which was to be in preparations for coming Messiah and point to the world and let them know there would be a coming Messiah. Does this cycle look familiar? Now, Understanding every time we get together in a crowd such as this or even those who may be watching online today that there are always those who may not know Christ as their Savior as of yet. And if you're here today, you're listening today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, it is our prayer that even through this Old Testament book that you might be pointed to Jesus and want to become a part of the family of God made possible through the redemption of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that is our prayer for all those who may not know Christ today. And it is always our prayer that there are those here, those listening who need to know Jesus. For those of us who know Christ or part of the family of God, does this cycle look familiar to you? You know Jesus, he saved you. But from time to time, we know that we find ourselves unfaithful, maybe even for a season. Now we all sin often, but maybe there's a time that you've fallen away from God, not as close as you once were. Maybe your priorities have shifted and, 
It really doesn't take long to realize your unfaithfulness is unfruitful, at least spiritually speaking. Even if everything is going well from the world's point of view and you're having success and maybe even your relationships uh, outside of Christ may even seem to be in order, but you're not growing in Christ. Well, sometimes you stay right there for a while and sometimes something triggers into where you realize that you need to cry out to God. And so you call out to him and the Lord hears you and he responds and you confess your sin and your need for him. We know the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God delivers. He makes good on his promises because we know the one who is delivered and our savior for all time. And we seek to be in a right fellowship again with the one who has saved us from all time. But too often, that close fellowship, at least that which is our part, is only good for a short time. Sometimes, for some, pretty soon the cycle begins again. Many Christians talk about their spiritual journey, and I've heard many of you, and sometimes even myself, say, Well, sometimes as I look back in the past, my spiritual journey is more like a roller coaster. Things are going up and down sometimes, or sometimes I get stuck in a rut. Well, maybe yours could be described as a roller coaster, or maybe more of a cycle like this. But if Jesus is your Savior, your relationship never stops. You cannot be kicked out of the family of God. But the problem with the cycle, or even the roller coaster picture of your spiritual journey, is that you and I can get stuck in the same place and never move forward or grow in Christ or find and fulfill the mission for which the Lord has called us and intended for us. Now, is it getting a little personal? Or is it, are we getting a little, little deeper here? I hope it's okay that we do. Now, it's not, this has not happened in this church, but I was at a church one time. Every time we had a revival, you could tell we're going back because we don't have many revivals anymore, but or just about every couple of years, the same fellow would come down, he would get saved again, and he would get baptized, or he'd be saved maybe for the first time or whatever, and, and it happened time and time again, same fellow. Kind of helped with our baptismal numbers, but it was the same fellow. I just prayed, Lord, I hope this one sticks, or you know, something, but is there anything wrong with getting baptized again and again? Now, I'm not sure that it means that you were not saved before, but it often could mean that you're stuck in a rut and need to get out of it. Now, when it comes to baptism, I believe that you need to get it in the right order and after you're saved and not before. But even more important is a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, let's see if we can figure out this morning and then even in the weeks ahead, and we'll talk a little bit deeper about some of these things from, the, from this passage in the book of Judges, how we might be able to break the cycle and step it up in our grow when it comes to growing in Christ. Maybe it would help if we could see clearly what led to the Israelites to being in the cycle that they were in as a nation. You know this is New Testament, don't you? We're reading from the Old Testament, but the Apostle Paul said these things were written about the Israelites so that we might be able to learn from them and so that we might not make the same mistakes as well. So what keeps the cycle going? Well, Let's do a little survey if we would. We're going to be in Judges 1-1 for just a couple of minutes. Uh, Judges chapter 1, but look at verse 1 if you would. Judges 1-1, Joshua died and the people of Israel inquired of God, who's going to go first to battle against the Canaanites now that Joshua's gone? Well, it's a good question. At least they, at least they had learned something from Moses and from Joshua that you got questions, ask God. 
Then Judges chapter 1 and verse 2, Joshua died and the people of Israel inquired of God, who's going to fight first for the Canaanites? And now the tribe of Judah, according to verse 2, they're up. I've given the land into your hand, he tells Judah. Sounds like what God had told Joshua. It's a done deal. Just go ahead and claim the land. Follow my word and do as I've told you. Now this should have been a rallying point. Look at what the Lord's doing for us. Let's follow the Lord. Judges chapter 1 and verse 3. The tribe of Judah, now they go to the Simeon, the tribe of Simeon, and say to them, why don't you come with us and fight with us? You fight with us, and then after we've conquered our land, then we'll go with you and fight with your land. Well, what's wrong with that? Strength in numbers, they thought. What would be wrong with that kind of plan? Well, was there a problem? It was in the fact that this was not God's plan. First of all, tribe of Judah was one of the larger tribes. Tribe of Simeon was a very small tribe, so probably it wouldn't make much difference anyway. Besides, God is the one who gives the victory. But for those two tribes, it probably felt like, yeah, this sounds good. Let's follow that plan. Three verses into the book of Judges. And we're getting a clue of why they're staying in this cycle. Because they're abandoning God's word. Abandon God's word for your own way will keep you in a cycle. Be be sure you understand as we list these abandoning God's word, this is what keeps you in the rut. Uh, these are the things that you don't want to do. Let, let's give them some props. I mean, they went to God and asked, what should we do next? And Joshua's dead. It's a traumatic time. Who's going to step up? God says to Judah, says, uh, you up. Time to step up. Judah did follow, but not in God's way. And Judah did have some success by God's grace, but did not have complete success. So if you're going to go to God for the answers, if you're going to go to God's word for the answers, if you're looking for the prompting of the Holy Spirit as to what to do, you need to be ready to follow what God's word says and what Jesus showed us and what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do. And you don't want to compromise and just do it halfway, but you want to be all in no matter what it is and follow all of it in the way God is leading, or you're likely to stay unfruitful and the cycle continues. Now, where was Israel, well, be clear, where was Israel really unfaithful? I mean, they probably were in a lot of ways, but what was the primary way that they were unfaithful? Well, in particular, they did not carry out God's instructions to destroy the people living in the land of Canaan. Now, to some of us with a 21st century mind, and we look back to those uh, thousands of years ago and think about that, we think, well, that, maybe that's not all that bad. I mean, after all, were the people being merciful when God was not? Well, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, this was judgment. God was using the Israelites as judgment on a very evil people who had worshipped idols for many, many years. And the Bible gives us several reasons why they were needing to be destroyed. For hundreds of years, they, they had lived in the land of Canaan. But Moses tells the people in Deuteronomy, before they had gone in, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. He says, When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations whom you go in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, take care that you'll not be ensnared to follow them after they've been destroyed before you, that you do not inquire about their gods saying, how did these nations serve their gods that they may also do the same? Notice verse 31. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abominable thing that the Lord hates they have done for their gods, for they even 
burned their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. God had been patient. And now God's people were to be instruments of judgment. Now still there was room for grace. Rahab is not the only example, but Rahab and her family were ones who put their faith in God. Now here's the caveat, or a caveat, I guess, the church. Living on this side of the cross, we are now, as God's people, we'll never be called upon to be the judgment on other people for God because Jesus has already won the victory for us on the cross. And it's our, we do, and our enemies are defeated, which are not flesh and blood, but although very real, but their spiritual battle already won by Christ, but realized as we combat sins and defeat temptations of this world. When Joshua and the Israelites crossed over into the promised land, God told Joshua, the victory's already assured. Battle's already won. They just needed to claim the victory. And they were to rid the people of that land so that they would not worship those gods, so that they would not intermarry with those who followed other gods, with the people living in that land, the evil people. But that's exactly what happened. It was also the fulfillment of the covenant and the promise that was made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. By the time of Joshua's death, much of the land of the promised land had already been conquered, but not all. There were pockets of people that were still not destroyed or run out, and there were some larger sections, like where the Philistines lived, that were yet to be conquered. Now, let's just do a quick overview of Judges 1 and see what happened. God gave some success to the tribe of Judah, but not complete. Notice Judges chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Judah also captured Gaza with its territory, and Ashkelon with its territory, and Ekron with its territory. The Lord was with Judah and took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. Now, why is it they could not drive out the people who lived in the plain, not on the plains, but in the plains there in that day? Well, at least their excuse or their reason was maybe something they'd never seen before. They had chariots of iron. But God said, you, you already have the victory if you do things God's way. Now, verse 21 of chapter 1, another tribe. But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. In fact, Jerusalem, Jebusites lived in Jerusalem until the time of David. He conquered the Jerusalem, which would become the capital of Israel some three or four hundred years later. Verse 27, another tribe. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean. Verse 29, and Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. Verse 30, Zebulun did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Verse 31, Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akko. Verse 33, Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. Time after time, the Israelites left people living in the land. And what happened? It's just as God said. People began to worship the idols that were there and they began to give their children in marriage. But we have here another clue as to why the cycle continues for the Israelites and maybe why it continues for us as well. Allowing obstacles and temptations to remain. When we allow a lot of obstacles and temptations to remain prevalent in your life, we'll keep the cycle of unfaithfulness and unfruitfulness going. Now, we'll never be able to take away all obstacles or all temptations because we're living in this world. But those things that are obvious or those things that are particular obstacles for you, 
The Bible says that we need to rid ourselves of those. You know some obvious illustrations? Alcoholics probably don't need to keep alcohol in the home or to be around it, maybe even to ask friends to abstain. If your problem is pornography, you need to stop the access. If gossip is your problem, you probably need to walk away when it is others engage and limit social media. If greed or the love of money, well, maybe like the rich young ruler who told him to give everything away and then learn to love Jesus and others more. See, Jesus is in the transforming business and we must deal as radically with the obstacles and the temptations in our life as the Israelites were to the people who are living in the land of Canaan. We need to deal radically. Well, let me ask you this. Maybe you're not there yet where you're really ready to deal as radically with the things that you know you need to deal with. Well, you can do something. You can ask for help. You can read a devotional book, spend more time in prayer, ask somebody perhaps to be your accountability partner. Most of us know the greatest obstacle to growing more in Christ. Identify it, seek to remove it. Even if it seems like a chariot of fire, with God's help, it can be done. In Judges chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says the angel of the Lord left Gilgal and went to Bacham. Just a side note, when you come to the, when you're reading God's word, you come to any word that has a CH in it, it's almost always pronounced with a K and not a CH. It's the Chaldeans, not the Chaldeans. Now, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but there's just a freebie for you today. But Gilgal was an important city because it was the first place they came into and camped. It was the launching place for the Israelites as they were about to go out on their military campaign. It's the headquarters for the Israeli army, and God was with them. But after they were not able or they refused to drive out the enemy, the angel of the Lord left Gilgal to come to Bacham, signifying a change in God's presence. Now, Bacham or Bochum means weepers or place of weeping because they wept before God when the angel of the Lord spoke about their unfaithfulness. Now, this is one of those times, the angel of the Lord, this is one of those times that I believe the angel of the Lord is the pre-incarnate Christ who has come to visit his people. Obviously marking a very important time that's taking place. It's the Lord speaking to his people and he asks, what have you done? Not only have you not driven out the people, but you've left the altars of these foreign gods. They're not just in the land, but they're in the very midst of the place and where you live. And the Lord tells them these are going to be thorns in your flesh. They're going to be snares to your living as God's people. Leave the obstacles and the temptations right where they are and you will stay in the cycle. You will stay in that rut. And if you're not there yet, you will be soon. The people cried out at the words and the warnings of this divine visitor, but their emotional outburst, it didn't take them out of the cycle. They continued to do evil. They forgot about the Lord. They worshiped Baal. The gods of Baal and the goddess of Asheroth, the male and female versions of the gods of fertility and success. And this cycle would continue. We see another clue as to why they stayed in the cycle. I want you to notice Judges 2 verse 7. Oh, listen, if I've lost you, I want you to come back to this because I don't want you to miss this. This, this. this might just be important. All of it's important. Notice Josh, Judges if ever I say Joshua and I'm talking about it, I really mean Judges. Judges chapter 2 and verse 7. It says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. 
These were some of the greatest days of Israel so far. All the people who knew Joshua, even after Joshua died, everybody who'd seen the work of the Lord through Joshua, through Moses. Of course, most of them that had known Moses now had died, but that whole generation and the generation that continued to live, that knew Joshua, they worship and serve God. Listen, you won't find that many positive things said about the Old Testament Israel. It was some of the best days for them. But then look at verse 10, just three verses later. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. All everybody that knew Joshua had died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. What a difference a generation makes. One reason they were kept in their rut or even began their cycle of continued disobedience was an influencing away from God instead of pointing to Jesus. The instructions were clear. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy 11, several places they said, listen, from the time you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed at night, you're to be teaching your children about God, about the commands of God. Let every happen, everything that happens be a teachable moment so that the next generation will know God. But obviously they did not follow God's instructions. In fact, chapter 3 and verse 6, we read verse 7 a moment ago. But if you, if you just happen to glance at 6, it's not on the screen. But it says there they sold their children or they gave their children away to this evil people. Gave their children, sons and daughters away to the evil people and they let their children watch them worship other gods. I guess that's a good thing we're not God. Not too sure we'd forgive that. Not sure we'd accept them back. Parents, don't let your don't give your children away to this world. Don't give your sons and daughters. Don't let your children watch you worship anything other than God or let them think anything is more important than being the church of the living God. Or the cycle will continue not only in you but also in the next generation. Church. The instructions are clear. Point people to Jesus. Know for sure you're going to be an influencer. The question is what kind of influencer are you going to be? Are you going to be influencing people pointing to Jesus or to go another way? And because of their disobedience in this particular case, they were slaves to the king of Mesopotamia for eight years. They cried out to God and God raised up that deliverer known as Othniel. According to chapter 3 and verse 9 that we read a moment ago, who is Othniel related to? There it is on the screen. He's related to Caleb. He's Caleb's nephew. Do you think Caleb had any influence over his nephew? Yeah, I think he did. By the way, in chapter 1, it's also the same story told in Joshua chapter 18, Othniel, after a decisive victory battle, Caleb, remember Caleb, Caleb and Joshua, the only ones who were faithful of that generation. Caleb gave his daughter in marriage to Othniel, and she served as a great uh, faithful person as well. She claimed the inheritance for her and her family as well. Influencing your family, church family, and others away from Jesus instead of pointing toward Jesus will keep you in this cycle. In this cycle. 
thankful some of you, many of you, you are influencing this generation as well as the next to seek after Jesus. So maybe the most overwhelming reason people stay in the rut or stay in the cycle is because they're trusting in the world and not in Jesus. Remember that king of Mesopotamia? I'm just going to call him CR. Feel free to try to pronounce that for me. I think I did a pretty good job. I practiced all week, but I was just going to do it one time. But that name, that peculiar name that's hard to pronounce, it means wicked, deep, dark, evil. Or just simply doubly wicked. Probably wasn't his given name. <laughs> Could you imagine any parents calling their, naming their kids doubly evil? Maybe you would later, but not at the beginning. But it's a name he earned. Maybe one of the most wicked kings who ever lived. Chapter 3 and verse 10 says, The Spirit of the Lord was on Othniel, and he prevailed over the greatest evil at that time because he trusted God. He trusted God. Have you seen the commercial for this miracle spring water by Peter Popoff? Maybe you've seen that. Sometimes you're flipping channels or late night will come on or maybe certain particular channels. And this guy's been around for several decades selling different things. Oh, look, there's a picture of it there. Listen, you send this off, there'll be, you might be healed, you might get money, other miracles will take place. He says it's free, but I guarantee you send this off, you're going to get another letter, encourage you to give $37 exactly because three's for the Trinity and seven's God's perfect number. And it will enhance more miracles and healing and even more money. How ridiculous, how silly. But he's a millionaire because of these things. We might think, who? some people think, well, what, what's the difference? I mean, might as well give it a try. Well, there is danger and there is a difference in that because the Lord has called us to trust in him alone. How foolish for the Israelites, the God who delivered them out of slavery, gave them this promised land, promised to come in Messiah. How foolish it was for them to worship other gods. Well, how spiritually foolish and dangerous it is to trust in anything other than the living Lord Jesus Christ. When it seems you're being overwhelmed by the evil in this world or the wicked are prospering with their agenda, don't be fooled. Jesus has already prevailed. And if you're in a rut today, Jesus can take you out of the cycle. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord was not on everyone. Not all God's people had the Spirit of the Lord. It was only on certain people at certain times. Othniel had the Spirit of God in him. And he trusted God. But on this side of the cross, because of what Christ has done, after the cross and the resurrection, before at the ascension, we know that the Holy Spirit came down and the Holy Spirit dwells in every... At Pentecost, all the Holy Spirit came down on all believers. And the Holy Spirit now indwells everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ so that we might be able to break the cycle. Now, whether these get up on the screen as fast as I'm going to say them, but you can grow and move forward because instead of abandoning God's Word, you're to cling to His Word. Instead of allowing obstacles and temptations to remain, remove all obstacles to growth. Instead of influencing away from Jesus, point people to Jesus. Instead of trusting in the world and not in Jesus, trust in Jesus alone. Oh, you did well. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5 says this, For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome our world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Like Othniel, 
have the courage to step up and follow God's call. There's three kinds of people from this story that are in the room today or listening today. There are those who are growing in Christ. May the story that we've read today of the Old Testament may give you even more encouragement to be steadfast and continue to grow in. There are those who are stuck in this cycle and continuing are far away from God in a cycle to where they continue not really moving forward. Well, the Lord tells us because of the Holy Spirit in our life, you put a place your trust in Christ, you can take the steps that will take you out of the cycle to be able to fulfill the mission that God has for you. And there are those, or there could be those who are here listening today that have not begun to be a part of the family of God. And oh, may it, this not be a discouragement, but instead an encouragement to know that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for you and it includes heaven and includes walking with Him in this life and knowing that you have purpose, something that is well beyond what we can see or what we can touch. And we will encourage those who don't know Christ, even today, even this very hour, Call upon the Lord, ask the Lord to forgive you of sin, and ask Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and be in your house and worship you. We thank you, Father, that we can learn from an Old Testament passage, maybe not as familiar to many, but Father, from this Old Testament, these Old Testament verses and chapters, how it is that we might walk closer to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for how all the Bible points to Jesus and how it helps us to be encouraged and to walk with him. And we pray, Father, that that will be true today of everyone who's listening today, everyone who's here. And we pray also, Father, uh, for uh, all those who do not know you as Savior and Lord, that today might be the day of salvation. Thank you for the gift of the gospel that you've given us. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.